0: The following show has a lot of explicit content. I'm sure you'll like it because of that. It's Thursday, January 25th, 2018 from Slate. It's the gist. In Albuquerque monkey research, yeah, I saw that. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. So Volkswagen, they're trying to determine if the diesel fuel they were spewing out was healthy. And by determine, I mean, they were trying to fake a study. That was their goal. To show you that the diesel fuel was good for you, good for everyone. Hell, I drink two tall glasses of diesel fuel a day—one for breakfast, another at lunch, and a sensible dinner. So what they did was they went and got ten monkeys—not as hard as you'd think. Poor, poor monkeys. And uh, I'll read what uh, I'll read what they did to the monkeys. The Times reported this story. Volkswagen took a lead role in the study. Company engineers supervised the installation of a treadmill that would allow the vehicles to run on rollers while equipment sucked exhaust from the towel pipes. The gas was then diluted and fed into chambers containing the monkeys. To keep the animals calm during the four hours they breathed fumes, lab workers set up a television showing cartoons, quote, they like to watch cartoons. The scientist who oversaw the experiments explained. All right. You know... I'm just going to throw this out there. I'd say your scientific dreams may have taken an ugly turn if you're gassing monkeys most days, even some days, even any days. Sure, they love to watch Space Ghost, but if you're pumping them full of diesel fuel, is this really what you went to science school for? To gas the monkeys. Actually, I don't know if it was Space Ghost. There was no word on what cartoon the monkeys were watching. Was it George of the Jungle? Or is that too close to home? Even for a cartoon-loving monkey. Would something like that or Grape Ape just be a busman's holiday, as it were? So... Volkswagen. Don't worry. Don't worry too much about the monkeys because here's what was going on. You'd think the monkeys would not do well getting pumped full of diesel. But Volkswagen, clever, clever, evil Volkswagen put in defeater devices. When the cars were on rollers, as opposed to the road, the diesel that was expelled was much, much, much less noxious than the normal diesel that you and I get to breathe every day. I don't know about you. I don't like driving on rollers. I like a car whose mileage is 28 city, 34 highway, 125 on rollers. So the phony research institute running the study, actually it may have been a real research institute, but there, were, there was definitely chicanery going on from the Volkswagen side. And it turns out the study that they were conducting wasn't even publishable. They kept trying to push the monkey researchers to publish the study But they could not, so they could not in this way demonstrate how lovely and salubrious Diesel is to a monkey. Now, I assume no monkeys were harmed in the commission of this caper. I I say assume because that wasn't reported. I wanted to read that. But you know who was harmed? Us, humans, the upright monkey, as I call us. Estimates are that because of uh, Volkswagen's cheating, something like 1,900 to 3,000 Europeans will die prematurely or have died prematurely in the United States. The Times did a pretty good study. They put the number somewhere between 40 and 160. So many fewer humans who could otherwise be enjoying a pleasant afternoon, perhaps watching cartoons or, more entertainingly, watching monkeys watch cartoons. On the show today, I spiel about institutions and humans that failed us more than Volkswagen even did, the sentencing of Larry Nassar. But first, in another story about a, you know, not quite fantastic human being, this one named Donald Trump, the esteemed journalist David K. Johnston comes by to tell us how it's even worse than you think. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, the Defender 130 that seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. David K. Johnston, Pulitzer Prize winner and former president of investigative reporters and editors. That's a big deal in our profession. He's out with a new book. It's called It's Even Worse Than You Think. What the Trump administration is doing to America. In it, he brings his decades of expert reporting, decades that have had him tangling with Donald Trump for years and years. He brings it to the fore and explains how the Trump administration is hurting us and hurting you. Hello, Mr. Johnston. Thanks for coming in. Hello. Just the timeliness factor must have, um, you must have been been. tearing your hair out. Oh, I'm not going to get to this. I'm not going to get to that. Yeah, we had to close the book
1: in late September. And uh, there were a number of things I wish, you know, I could have had another month or two because a lot of things gelled late in the year. The Trump administration has loosed what I call political termites. And just like termites eat away at the walls and the substructure of your house, and you don't know it until you put your foot through the floor and have a huge bill to fix it. uh, They are putting in place policies, not enforcing laws, not putting up data that will hurt you, it will hurt your children, it's going to hurt your grandchildren long after Trump is out of office, even if he were to serve two terms. And in all of this, what they're fundamentally doing is the opposite, Mike, of his campaign promise.
0: So there are the misdeeds of commission, which are regulations in the EPA and maybe what Betsy DeVos is doing in education. But then there are so many misdeeds of omission. He has not famously and horribly has not staffed a large percentage of the State Department. But I wonder, I know there are people in place in HUD. I would love a series that just followed HUD for a day. I don't think they're doing anything. I wonder what they're doing.
1: Well, you remember HUD is led now by a guy who believes that the uh, Egyptian pyramids uh, weren't tombs for pharaohs, they were to store grain. Great heart surgeon. Yes. The analytical skills of many Americans and the skepticism and critical thinking skills in America are really appalling. And Donald Trump is a con artist and a grifter. He spent his entire life as a criminal not paying his workers, taking goods and services from small vendors and then saying, I'm not going to pay you for it and using it anyway, sue me, go ahead and sue me, which you can't afford to do if it's thirty or fifty or even $100,000 because the legal fees will exceed What that. was that company, Paint Spot? Was yes. that the name? That's a great I, I example. I tell about Paint Spot, which even after Trump became president, he refused to pay a Benjamin Moore paint dealer who was so careful with Trump that he goes to Trump's Doral Country Club and says, I want the exact name of the legal entity I'm doing business with in case he doesn't pay me. Well, they gave him the wrong name. And then they said, oh, no, it's the wrong name. You know, you sued the wrong company. We don't have to pay. And the judge went, no, sorry, you're not going to get away with that one. He went there and asked, and you gave him bad information. That's the kind of person that Donald Trump is. I can't wait to find out, and I'm sure we will eventually, uh, the $130,000 of hush money to Stormy Daniels. Yeah.
0: I wonder if he took it as a tax deduction for one of his businesses. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I found to be amusing and horrible is how he would set different prices for the values of his golf clubs depending on, you know, his interest in the moment. So could you talk about that well, for a second? Well, Donald, for example, claims – I love that you call him Donald.
1: <laughs> I've known him for 35 years. If Nancy Pelosi were to be president, I call Nancy Nancy. Uh-huh. Uh, Donald owns a golf course in Westchester County, New York. He says in his presidential forums it's worth over $100 million. But he told the local tax authorities it's worth $1.4 million. Yeah. That's, that's the price of about two houses off the fairway in that neighborhood. Yeah, have you been to Westchester? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's absurd. And he does this all the time. He tried very hard not to ever let the uh, New York City auditors see the books of the Grand Hyatt Hotel when he cheated on banking payment. And only because of their persistence did they find out when they kept saying, this record, these were destroyed in a flood. These records were accidentally erased from a computer. And these guys wouldn't give up. And the auditors eventually got the actual records. And Donald had just cheated left
0: and right. Your expertise is is economics and tax law. And, and regulation. Regulation. You've told this story before. But tell me uh, how you got a hold of some of his taxes and what those taxes, after now that we know about them and have processed them, what those really tell us about him as a businessman in person?
1: Well, I was in, uh, uh, down in Florida shooting a photograph of my iPhone of Mar-a-Lago when the phone started vibrating, and one of my grown children said, call home urgent, and she then tells me she's just emailed me images of Donald Trump's 2005 tax return, not the complete return, just the cover sheets. And two thoughts immediately hit me. One was, uh, is this authentic? And how to get them to acknowledge it's authentic. This tax return told us several very important things. Uh, Number one, it showed Donald's income was uh, $3 million a week almost. But his income tax rate under the regular income tax system was less than 3.5%. That's an important number. The average income tax of the bottom half of Americans – is more than three and a half percent. The bottom half of all or the bottom half of tax-paying Americans? Of people who file tax yeah, returns. right? And their average income is about $300 a week. Donald's was almost $3 million a week, and he's taxed more lightly than them. The only reason he paid $36 million in taxes, which brought him up into the low 20s uh, as a percent of his income, is something called the alternative minimum tax. However... The way that tax works for most people, it doesn't, didn't allow you to deduct yourself, your children, your spouse, your property taxes, etc. Donald was hit by a provision involving real estate owners, and he would get the money back in the next year or future years. Mm. So the reason I think Donald sent it to me was it showed big income, exceptionally big income for him, for a year. Uh, it showed he paid a lot of taxes – and most people wouldn't get that the alternative minimum tax was temporary. Wait. You said the reason
0: Donald sent it to you.
1: Oh, I'm pretty sure Donald sent it. Donald has a long history of leaking things about himself. Right. He's uh, leaked things to me in the past. And So 2005 is the most – And uh, it's a client copy. The, sta- the copy right. I have is stamped client copy.
0: I think if his taxes, his wealth were known and we could take that information – and marry it to the tax bill, we'd come up with a number, and we'd say this tax bill will enrich Donald Trump by this amount. Oh, or we a know range. how much. We know. What, what do, do you think?
1: Well, based on the 2005 tax return, uh, we know this. First of all, his tax rate for his 500 plus businesses will be cut by half. Uh, he's currently should be paying about 40 percent of his profits to the federal government, and instead he'll pay 21. So whatever the business profits are, he got 20 cents on the dollar more for himself. Mm-hmm. Now in the estate tax, if he was worth the 10 billion he claimed, he would save when his time runs out 4 billion. Uh if he's worth 1 billion he saves 400 million. So when Trump gets up and says, you know, this bill hurts me. Trust me, I'm not going to be better off. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders backs it up. That is a lie. That isn't a function of 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 the edge of truth. That is a flat out indisputable lie. They know it's a lie. And it's
0: indicative of the absolute lack of moral character of Donald Trump. To play a bit of devil's advocate, those two positions are tried and true Republican positions. Uh, Lower to, taxes is a Republican well, position. And, in fact, lowering corporate taxes, perhaps not by that amount. This yes. is a pretty bipartisan, largely bipartisan issue. So you could argue that he was doing things in the best interest of the com- country that happened to benefit him. Are there parts of the tax bill that passed that specifically are catered to the specific businesses? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, for example, uh, there are additional tax breaks now for corporate jets, personal jets. There are burdens that are put on people. Police and firefighters uh, can no longer deduct the cost of their uniforms, their guns and their bullets and the dry cleaning of their uniforms. They used to be able to do it. Uh, They can't deduct their union dues. Teachers who want to get an advanced degree, which should make them a better teacher and get them more money, they can no longer deduct the tuition and books. And there's a huge deferral issue. All this money offshore, the companies that are now saying, look it, we're going to bring this money back. Well, they're not bringing it back right now. It's already here, except on paper. It's listed as an address offshore. And secondly, They get – I think it's 10 years to pay the taxes. You pay a little bit the first year, less than 10 cents on the dollar of the taxes. And then the last year, you pay like 25 percent of it. So this bill is further subsidy to multinational corporations, not domestic ones. They don't get any benefit at all from this and tilts the field away from purely domestic companies to multinationals. Trump's a multinational.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He – Donald Trump says things that are not in his service when he talks to Lester Holt and really implicates himself in things like, not collusion, but obstruction of justice. How is it that he's been able to keep suppressed his tax information for so long? There are people, people in the government, they've taken oaths, but there are oath breakers. There are people in private practice who know what his taxes are. Will this, will he forever be able to keep this quiet?
1: Maybe somebody will leak the tax returns, but what matters is Robert Mueller has them.
0: Uh, he's, he does. We're sure of this.
1: Uh, I, it, Robert Mueller is highly competent, and one of the first things you want are those tax returns, and there's a procedure in the Justice Department to get them. So he can legally and has, oh, you believe, he absolutely has a legal right them. to wow. look at the okay. tax return. And, and Donald, when he says, I'm under audit, I can't show them to you? Yeah. That's absolute nonsense. No, of course he can You've already filed the document under penalty of perjury. Yeah. But of course, tax returns are only the starting point. It's the books and records, Uh, the little joke I made earlier about did he uh, put down as a reasonable and necessary business expense the payoff to Stormy Daniels, uh, the porn star, to keep quiet. And I'm sure Donald has committed many, many tax crimes because in in the 1990s, he had two income tax fraud trials. These were civil, not criminal. He lost both of them. Mm -hmm. And his tax lawyer and accountant testified when he was shown the tax return, which was actually a photocopy that was filed. That's my signature, but I and my firm did not prepare that tax return. Boy, that's as good a badge of fraud as you are ever going to get.
0: I signed something that does not No,
1: what he did was that Donald put his signature on it with a photocopy machine. Yeah. Donald has a long history of messing with records for his benefit.
0: So you have all these stories. You flesh out why regulation is not an abstraction, but actually a thing that saves people's lives. And to take one example, if you do away with the rule that – tests for sleep apnea among train conductors, you're going to get train accidents like the one outside of Philadelphia or the one in Washington state, although that might've been because of uh, excessive speed around the bend. There's another argument, which is, you know what, people are going to, and this is an argument more for the midterms, people will look at their own paychecks. There was a tax cut. They'll get $400 more. Let's not lie. I mean, it's not true that most people won't get some tax cut. Most people in the first couple of years are going to get a tax cut. Once they get the tax cut, that's it. They vote with their pocketbooks. What do you think?
1: Well, it's true. Five out of six people starting in February are going to get more money in their paycheck. Yeah. It may not be a lot, but if you've gotten raises that are only the, the cost of living for years, suddenly having another 20 bucks a week in your paycheck, that's $1,000 a year. That's a big deal to you.
0: And that's not before hand, taxes. That's because the withholdings have been because recalculated. That's right. Because you're, the tax you is Paychecks pay are going less. up. Thank you. That's right. Thank you, Senate and, Republicans if you, if and House have, Republicans. And
1: if you have children, yeah. uh, this is a good deal for you. For many, many people, especially people who are in the upper middle class, 75000 to $400,000 a year, however, when they do their tax returns in the spring of next year, they're going to find that their, their total tax burden went way up. Because they don't get to deduct state and local taxes except $10,000. You get a break today. We have the midterm elections in November and you're going, hey, this is going to get more money in my pocket. And then the next year you begin to find out this isn't true. And if you're in the lower income groups, the Republicans have already made it clear. They're coming after the programs that benefit you, Social Security, Medicare or Medicaid. I think this was brilliant
0: politics. David K. Johnston is the author of It's Even Worse Than You Think What the Trump Administration Is Doing to America. Thank you. Thank you. And now the spiel. I have been monitoring the Larry Nassar sentencing story. He was the uh, doctor for the U.S. Olympic team and many, many other gymnasts monitoring it, not letting it wash over me. Uh, I hear reports on the radio. I've not shied away from the reports, but I haven't really lived with the reports. So today I sat down and I watched a dozen, uh, fewer, maybe about eight of the victims who testified up there in Ingram County, Michigan. I cried. It was rough, rougher still is the fact that there were 20 times as many women who testified who I couldn't even get to, and that there are, I don't know, five times that many who didn't make the trip up to Michigan to testify. We'll never really know how many women he abused and molested. He is, of course, a monster, and these women were failed by him, by their protectors, who turned into his protector at the wrong time. Really, to be honest, they were failed by the sport of gymnastics and how it is constituted in the United States. Lindsay Lemke, still a Michigan State student, a gymnast, talked about how she tried and tried to blow the whistle on Nasser, and it didn't work. I talked to my parents about it, and we made the decision. Uh, the next day, I went into her office, and I just described to her uh, what happened, and that I felt like I, I had a right to say something, and realizing then that what he did was very wrong, and... Her response back to me was, before I talked to the police officer, um, Angela, I needed to make sure that I was doing my research to understand what was happening to me. And just in case I was asked any questions, I didn't know. I didn't want to give false information to hurt Larry in any way. So basically what I took out of that is she was still defending Larry. And then in 2014, Amanda Tomaschow went to the officials at the University of Michigan and said that Larry Nasser, in his examination of me, molested me. Now, Amanda Tamashow was not a little girl, as some of these victims were. She had just graduated college. She knew what an examination for hip pain should entail and should not entail. And it does not involve being molested, but the school found that it did. Or rather, in their Title IX investigation that cleared Nasser, they found that she likely misinterpreted what happened to her as sexual assault because she wasn't familiar with osteopathic medicine and she wouldn't know the, here's the quote, the nuanced difference between assault and an examination. And that, the institutions, that institutions were time and again pointed to Larry Nasser, where women... People who were there firsthand said, this is wrong. And the powerful institution said, no, it's all right. Keep doing it. That's why this this one differs from those horrible but familiar tales that we all know of how awful a person can be to an other person. This is not 13 kids chained to their beds in California or a parent habitually abusing a child. This is a system. The University of Michigan was told about the abuse and turned reports away. There was a local gym where a coach was the Olympic coach at one point. He seemed really abusive. His name was John Geddert. He did everything to thwart a thorough investigation. He just wanted to keep doing business the way he did business. USA Gymnastics, the umbrella organization that picks the Olympic team and really runs amateur gymnastics in America, they had a habit, they had a technique. This was essential to how they create gymnasts. What they do is they strip them of any sense of power or agency. They contracted with the Carolis, Bella and Marta Caroli, and they used the Corolli's private ranch in rural Texas as an official training facility. Well, guess what? Larry Nasser molested and abused lots and lots of athletes there. And those athletes were made to return to the site of their abuse if they wanted to be Olympians. Oh, I could go over so many instances where the whistle should have been blown. In 1997, the gymnastics coaches at MSU, Michigan State, were told that Nasser was abusing girls. In 1999, this one stuck out. A cross-country runner, because he didn't just uh, examine gymnasts, he did the whole athletic department. So this cross-country runner has an injured hamstring, and she says that Larry Nasser examined her improperly when he penetrated her vagina during treatment for an injured hamstring. She has issued a lawsuit, and the trainers told her that Nasser was an Olympic doctor who knew what he was doing. There are many, many, almost every year and sometimes several times a year, someone said something to someone who could have stopped Larry Nassar, but didn't. In the summer of 2015, USA Gymnastics quietly cut ties with Nassar after hearing of, quote, athlete concerns. They still held sessions at the Caroli Ranch. It was just last week that they said they wouldn't be doing that anymore. And what about the stars of the sport? The LeBrons, the Durants, but in gymnastics. Well, they're not like that. They have no agency. They have very little money. And they're kind of raised to think that they have to cower and acquiesce in the face of a powerful person. They were shunted aside. They were dismissed. They were systemically stripped of the notion that they had recourse or importance or should be anything other than brilliant pixies draped with medals. I was at the London Olympics in 2012, four members of that gold medal winning team, which is the biggest American story of the games, four members of the Fierce Five were molested by Larry Nassar. Jordan Weber, one of the Fierce Five, testified at these hearings. Her words were harrowing but familiar. Let me play a second of those.
1: Nobody was protecting us from being taken advantage of. Nobody was even concerned whether or not we were being sexually abused. I was not protected, and neither were my teammates. Our bodies were all hanging by a thread, When we were in London. Who was the doctor that USAG sent to keep us healthy and help us get through? The doctor that was our abuser. The doctor that is a child molester.
0: Now, that part about health hanging by a thread. So gymnasts are the toughest athletes in the world, the demands of their sport almost necessitate injury because they have these little bodies that have to be lithe enough to execute the moves. But the repetition and the difficulty of the moves requires more stress be put on the bodies than the bodies can sustain. So they all get hurt and they all soldier on. Jordan Weber won the gold medal with the team competing on a leg, that had a stress fracture. Didn't disclose it at the time, we found out afterwards. Shouldn't meddle individually, even though she's one of the best gymnasts in the world, because of a stress fracture. And her doctor, instead of healing her or acting in her interests, used her as a means of gratification. It's appalling. I think the Nasser story did get a lot of coverage, you know about it, but it was undercovered in a way. I put some search terms through Google. Uh, going back from the beginning of 2018, Aziz Ansari, Larry Nasser, Ansari was much more covered. Maybe because his story of that uh, date gone wrong or whatever you want to call it in Babe, maybe that engendered a lot of discussion. So there were people, and the discussion was good. It wasn't, this isn't a one-to-one comparison, but by the metrics that Google uses, at the peak of Ansari coverage, Larry Nassar was getting only two-thirds the coverage. And then out of curiosity, I thought a more, of a more apt comparison. I went back to 2011 and researched Jerry Sandusky. So how the Google scoring works is that if the peak of the Jerry Sandusky coverage was 100, then Aziz Ansari hit a peak of 57 and Larry Nassar hit a peak of 36. People just care about Penn State football more than women's gymnastics. We could say we care about the victims, and we do. We're not cold-hearted, but we care more about Penn State football and the things we know about already than we do the hundreds and hundreds of victims in the Larry Nassar case. The fame of the accused is the single largest determinant of which stories of abuse we pay attention to. It's understandable to a degree, but it also argues that reform will be harder to come by in a sport that only pops up in the public's consciousness once every four years. One last word. The judge in this case came in for some criticism for her harsh words when sentencing Nasser. She said, Our Constitution does not allow for cruel and unusual punishment. If it did, I would allow some or many people to do to him what he did to others. A wrong thing to say, an improper thing to say, a violation of her duty as a judge. Yet the hearing themselves were run very well. So you get the sense, actually you heard this explicitly, that the victims so valued these hearings because they gave them an opportunity to work out a lot of their anger and a lot of their resentment. But I got another feeling about why the judge may have said this. I dipped in here and there. I saw maybe eight victims give their full testimony, parts of others in news coverage. Some read a bunch of transcripts. The judge was there for well over a 100 of them, all of them. And I think she may have experienced some form of PTSD. That's possible. Journalists get this from covering horrible, horrible events day in, day out, living with it, being the authority figure to these girls who are failed by authority figures, being the one last authority figure that these girls could count on. And I think it wouldn't be a bad thing if the entire hierarchy of elite gymnastics were in some way made to feel that pain and that is it for today's show just producer Pierre Biename enjoys a three episode arc of teen titans go while strapped to a galvanic skin response machine don't talk to just senior producer Mary Wilson As she takes in Jabberjaw, while at the same time trying to deny herself that marshmallow. Steve Licta is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. He wants to point out that the original subject of the learned helplessness experiment was Droopy Dog. Who came by the helplessness pretty naturally? There was little learning involved. The gist, you know, the invisible gorilla experiment where observers are asked to track a basketball being passed back and forth, and they don't notice that a gorilla walks by. Here's the thing: the gorilla was Magilla, and he's mighty nice. He's so ingratiating, it just blends right into the background. I'm saying it's a poorly designed experiment. Upuradepuradupuru, and thanks for listening.